Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Amen. We're going into a new year. First Sunday of the year. I'm sorry. I know I've been reading all through Facebook. My pastor friends, they, they delivering great messages. The year of prosperity is the year of this. And it is. This is a year for you to prosper. This is the year for you to come out on top. This is the year for your victory. This is the year for your deliverance. Yes, I'm in agreement with all that. But it's also a year of discipline. You know what? People win all the time. People win the lottery but because they didn't earn what they got, because it was given to them freely, guess what happens? They lose it. Why? No discipline. (laughs) You guys, I've been thinking about the lottery a lot lately. And I'm going to tell you as a pastor how I feel about the lottery. So you guys listen closely. You can't win if you don't play. I just said that as a joke. You guys, listen. Don't be spending all your money on the lottery, all your tithes and, and giving money on the lottery. You know, when, when there's $300 million on the line, go buy one ticket. Just buy one ticket. All right? I'm just telling you, hey, look, God can bless you. And I'm just saying, be a faithful tither. We got too soon to change. And unfortunately, it ain't free. The stuff that we want to do, we want to meet the needs of some people. Amen? Praise God. We want to be able to love on people, not just in word, but also in deed. You, you understand what I'm saying? I don't even, well, I think I shared it last service, but I'm going to share this before I get into the word because we're starting early, and that gives me a whole lot longer to preach. You guys watch out. I've been fasting. I've been having to get close to the Lord, like, lately, because when you don't eat and people seem to get on your nerves, and you got to rely on Christ, because you want to give them a piece of your mind, right? A a big piece, right? The Bible tells us what? He says, have the mind of Christ. So you should be giving them the mind of Christ and not your mind, if you don't mind, right? So let me tell you about your generosity, okay? This church, and I'm looking around, and, and, and we, got, we have a nice turnout this morning. I want to tell you how your generosity has impacted this city. Because of your generosity, we're able to do things like the father and daughter dance. Where men, listen, it's not just for the church. We have people in the community that want to come here, and we have, we have gray-haired men and bald-head men, and we have young men that are all dads. I'm saying that because it covers every age. And we have these fathers that, that are have grown children that teach men just during a short time how to affirm your daughter and how we should affirm our daughters all the time. These are things that we're doing for the community. That's just one thing. Because we do things like Blessing the Blue. We honor our first responders and police officers, not just of the Building Christian Fellowship, but of Susun City. We, we, we buy them lunch all week. We go out and bless them. And then on final Sunday, we call them all in here and we pray for them. We tell them that we love them and we feed them. We just do things for them all week. 
We do things like give the teachers uh, survival kits over here at Crystal School. So survival kit, first day of school, they love it. Teachers Appreciation Day, we go over there and give them other things. They love it. When there, there's stuff that goes on in the community, there's people that can't clean their, their yards up and do different things. Who does the city come and talk to? They come and talk to the church. They're like, hey, we got this lady over here. We keep giving her tickets, but she can't clean her yard. Is there anything you can do about it? I'm like, sure. When does she want it done? We can do it Saturday. She, what? We're about our business here. We want to show the love of Christ. Now, meanwhile, I need you to understand, we're only able to do these things because we don't charge the police officers to come in and get blessed. We don't charge the, 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 the daddy-daughter dance, which could easily be a hundred and something dollars. We just charge like $15, $20 for them to come in to be in here. The, the church, your generosity allows this to happen. Blessing the blue is a big thing. The, the trunk or treat, huge when we do that on Halloween. Um, my God, I know I'm forgetting a bunch of stuff. Help me out, honey. Christmas. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thanks, honey. Jim. Thanks, honey, Jim. The Christmas outreach. Let, let me just talk about that first. Did you see what happened on the Christmas outreach? We had the biggest turnout ever. We gave out, I'm sure we gave out over 300 gifts. Easy. I know we gave over, what, 60-something bikes? Was it like something like that? Brand new bikes? Because of general, oh yeah, and helmets. It's like, nah, no, don't just take the bike. You need a helmet to match it. You something else, you something else. No, because of your generosity. But watch this. We're doing all these things for the community, even to the point where, hey, Pastor John, do you think you can come to this city hall meeting? We want you to come and open up in prayer. And I was like, really? And, I, and I'm like, okay, I know it's a government thing. Is there something that I can't say, you know, because I know people are going to get offended? And they're like, well, you can say whatever you want to say. You, you can just sit up there and say Jesus 20 times. Amen. So because of our generosity, we're known in the city. Now, let me take a backtrack. Some of you in here may know me. Some of you may not know me. Okay? You got some of you guys, because I'm a pastor, you think that I was born over a baptismal pool. And as I was born and came out of my mother's womb, I fell into the baptizing pool, came out, and I was you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues as a baby before they even cut my umbilical cord. Well, that's not the truth. The truth of the matter is this. I used to be a thug. Used to be. I used to run these streets right here in Susun. I used to go to the club that was over here. I've been arrested numerous times. Been in jail quite a few times. Did some time myself. I've ran from the police. Done all that. But God came in and changed my life. Watch this. But because the Building Christian Fellowship is known for going out and loving our community, I get a phone call the other day. Pastor John, yeah? Hey, listen, I need you to do me a favor. Okay, what is it? Pastor John, um, we need somebody that's prominent in the community, somebody that cares about Susun City, that loves what happens and knows what's going on, somebody that's in touch with the citizens of the city. We need somebody like that, and we think it's you. I was like, okay, praise God. W what do you want me to do? He says, what I need you to do is sit on the board to help hire our new police chief. How are you going to go from running from the police to hiring the police chief? Ain't nothing but God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
It is nothing that I have done. There is nothing I could have moved to do. It is nothing but Jesus Christ and the generosity of the Building Christian Fellowship. Hallelujah. It is nothing but God. See, that's how God can change your life. The Bible says that your gift will make room for you and place you in front of great men. We have prayed for years. God, let us be an influence to the city, not just the people, but the government. And God is putting us in these places that we can have influence. And when I say influence, it's not the influence and to do what we want to do. It's the influence to allow God to do what he needs to do in this city. When things like this happen that normally they don't allow churches to do, they're going to be like, dude, that's the building. Don't, you ain't got to worry about nothing. They're going to come in. They're going to clean up. They're going to take care of people. They're going to pray for people. They're going to respect other people even though they don't feel, they don't feel like they want to be Christian. They're going to respect. They just love on everybody. Let them go. Let them do what they want. They're making our city better. And if you rewind all that, you know why that happens? Your generosity. It allows us, your giving allows us to make, to, allows us to do these things. Now, as you guys know, and, and we didn't do announcements and everything else like that because just how God is moving, next door, we're, we're starting phase two. And if you guys haven't seen it, as a matter of fact, I almost want to open it up. It's just a little dangerous for little kids to be walking around over there. It's a construction site. But every time we get money for that, we're taking the money immediately and spending it on supplies. I mean, literally, it's like you, somebody gave $5, I'm taking that $5 and buying nails. I'm doing something because I don't want that money to sit. I want it to get to work. So we, we got walls up over there. We got new classrooms that are up. We got the, the, the drywalls going up. There's all kinds of stuff that's happening over there, you guys, and, and that's because of your generosity. Now, our goal isn't to make a bigger church. That's not the goal. The goal is to have a bigger place to do bigger ministry, to make a bigger change in Susun City. My God, if you guys were here on the night of, of vision, when, when the principal came from Crystal, he's like, man, he goes, look, we need help. There are kids, literally kids that are at um, Susun Elementary that are sixth grade or, or fifth grade. They're getting ready to graduate, and they're like, I don't want to leave because I'm scared to go to Crystal because of the, the reputation that Crystal has. Uh-uh. Crystal's our school. That's our school, and I don't want my kids feeling that way. I got nieces and nephews. There's children in here right now that go to that school, and they shouldn't have to feel like that. See, what we want to do when we create this bigger, bigger ministry and, or this, this bigger footprint here is that we'll be able to do things like volunteer over there. That we'll be able to walk around the campus after we do all what we have to do to be there, to walk around on campus. When we see kids bullying or doing something else, that we'll intervene. That we'll be a place where these kids can come because they're having trouble at home, and they need somebody to talk to. That's what God wants us to do, to make a difference. And we can't just make a difference in the adults. We need to make a difference with the next upcoming generation. And I'm sorry, Crystal's great, but we need to go from Crystal over to Susun Elementary, then over to Crescent, then the other schools in Susun. That happens with your generosity. It is in action. That's why we tell you every time you give, give God some praise. Why? Because lives are being touched and destinies are being changed. You got these young kids whose destiny, and we did during the uh, Christmas outreach. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to say this. I'm just really talking. 
but I had coffee. So listen to this. There's one need that I've seen that the, the school needs, and Dre, Dre's already on this. But those young men and young women need mentoring. I asked a young man, he's 17 years old, goes to Army, getting ready to graduate. I said, so, young man, what, what do you want to do when you get out of school? He's like, I don't know. You know, I'm going to get a job, buy a house. Where's the reality in that? So what do you want to do, young man? I don't know. Chick-fil-A is paying $17 an hour. Probably go work there and go buy me a house. I said, son, you're not going to buy a house working at Chick-fil-A. I said, you know the greatness inside of you? And just me saying it once wasn't enough to chisel away at all the negative stuff that he's heard all his life. He needs to hear this every day. He needs to be, that needs to be combated by the word of God that will penetrate through that hardness and get to his heart so he'll start believing in himself. He needs to see men and women believe in him. We, the church, need to be the ones out there doing it. We can't be going, well, I hope the school does. No, we're the, we're the men and women of God. I'm on a tangent. Is it okay? I'm just passionate because you see what God has done for me. He rescued and saved a wretch like me. And I want to give what I got freely. Thank you, Lord. Man. And this, you got, listen, I don't know if you guys know this. We're fasting. I'm just looking at some of y'all because some of y'all been posting like, like hamburgers and steaks and stuff. Huh, Khalil? Get behind me, Satan. Oh, my gosh. Fried chicken. And you just wrong. But we're fasting. And this is what's happened to me already during this fast. This is just the fifth day. And already during this fast, I'm telling you, I've had all kinds of breakthroughs. Revival has hit my spirit. And don't, don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of uh, my flesh has just been crying out a lot lately. But I just feel this renewing that's happening in my spirit. And, and I'm excited. And if, it, if you could tell, I'm sorry that I'm just going on because I, I just got something that I'm trying to give to y'all. But I'm starting to realize that I got this because I suffered. Some of y'all ain't willing to suffer with us during fasting and praying. That's, that's what the Bible says is, is that I, I went and I afflicted myself with fasting and prayer. Listen, we should be praying. I got another half hour. I'll get y'all time for the playoffs. Don't worry about it. But there's something that God wants to say to us this morning. It's very important, saints of God. It is the new year. It, it, is, it is all good. Last year is gone. And people say, I'm happy to see 2018 leave. You know what? I'm kind of sad because there was a lot of great and good things that happened in 2018. It was a good year. Now, 2019 is going to be better. Woo! Come on. How'd you do that? God's healing you, Keiko. You guys know Keiko's had pneumonia for the last two weeks, and she's here. Four weeks. 
That don't mean you can't hug or you can't catch pneumonia. <laughs> but she's here. She's here with, with, with oxygen, but yet she's found her way to the house of the Lord to give God some glory. I just ask that you guys continue to keep her and her husband in prayer. Uh, they're struggling. They're, they've been doing what they're doing, but I know that God is, is doing a new thing in them. They, they have experienced revival uh, in their lives, in their family, at the, towards the end of last year. And, and of course, the enemy's going to come against you guys. You need to realize what's happening in your lives is that when you start moving closer to God like that, the enemy's going to try to stop you. Why? Because of your testimony. You know, before your testimony, and we know it was up and down, up and down, but now God's got a hold of you, and I see it in you. And what's going to happen is as you begin to suffer and struggle, you're going to start tearing off some of that old stuff, and there's people going to come to you that need to hear your testimony. You, you stood up and told your testimony with the women, Keiko, and, and that was great, but then guess what? Who held your hand through that whole thing? Who gave you tough love? People need to hear your testimony too. If y'all don't know it, you need to stick around church a little bit longer. You might be able to hear it. Praise God. I'm, I'm full of Jesus today. I'm sorry. I'm full of Jesus. You guys ready? We're going to talk about the word. Let's get into the word. Let's get into the word. Amen. Amen. Look, the first Sunday of, of every year, we all fast. And this is the fifth day of fasting, you guys. Who said amen? Anyway. Now, every year, we, we fast to hear from God for wisdom, instruction, and direction for ourselves, our families, and for our church. Todos los años ayunamos a escuchar a Dios para que nos guíe a nosotros mismos, a nuestras familias y a nuestra iglesia. Last year, the Lord instructed us to start being intentional in every area of our life. El año pasado, el Señor nos Instruyó a ser intencionales en cada área de nuestras vidas. God told us to be intentional. Some of us have failed that. Okay, thank you. I got one whisper amen. We have, and, and, and how I can tell is anytime we have sign-ups for anything, everybody waits to the last minute. See, those are areas, small areas in our lives, and I can tell when people are being intentional. Have we been intentional? And it was what God told us last year. Anytime God tells us something, it's not for a, a day. It's not for a month. It's not for a year. It's for the rest of our lives. That we should be intentional for the rest of our lives because what he told us last year, we need to carry into this year for the next thing that he has for us. Amen. So back in September, the Lord began to speak to me clearly on the direction of his church. El Señor me habló en septiembre acerca de su iglesia. Not just the building, no solo aquí in the building, but the whole body of Christ. Pero sino todo el cuerpo de Cristo. The direction and instruction isn't anything new. Esta dirección es instrucción, no es nada nuevo. It's actually something we as Christians have failed to do. Y esto es algo que no hemos hecho como cristianos. So turn with me and come with me to Matthew. Then conmigo a Mateo. Viente ocho. We'll start with verse 19. Go. 
therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let me read it again. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say go. go. Okay, say it like me. Say go. go. Usually we associate that word go as a command or a release to start something. Such as, ready, set, go. If I say this right, preparado, listo, bayan. 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 Vamos. Vamos. Go. Listen, God says this. You are ready because I set you apart. Now go and make disciples. God said you're ready because I've given you my spirit. And when I've given you my spirit, I set you apart. And because I set you apart, I need you now to go and make disciples. That's why Paul says, I finished my course. I ran my race. You catching it? You know why? Because at the beginning of his race, God said, I got you ready. Now you're set because I set you apart. Now go. Ran his race. Saints of God, if we are to judge our obedience to God based upon this one scripture, most Christians would be found contrary, insolent, unfaithful, and rebellious. You guys hear what I'm saying? If we were to base our lives based upon Matthew 28 19, if we were to base our obedience to God based on one scripture, we would all be found contrary, that means against, insolent, unfaithful, and rebellious. Why? Because we haven't gone. Because we're not making disciples. This command wasn't just for clergy. Esta comando no fue solo para el clero, but for all who call themselves Christians, sino para todos los cristianos. I like the way it says it in, in the message, Matthew 28, and I'm going to read 18 through 20. It says, Jesus, uttered, undeterred, went right ahead and gave this charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go. Out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way, this Christian way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this. Day after day, as you do this day after day, right up till the end of age. God says, I will be with you as you do this on Sundays, day after day. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but day after day, I think there's a word in today's English that we use is every day. Every day. So if I'm doing something every day, that means I need to be around those people every day. Not just Sunday or Tuesday or on Elevate every day. Listen, we all know that we need to be disciples. How many people know we need to be disciples? Some of us may even call ourselves disciples. <laughs> yeah. 
we know, we, we, we know that we have to be disciples, but discipleship doesn't just happen. Disciples have to be made. Tienes que hacer discipulos. Discipulos. Listen, say it for me. Discipulos. Gracias. Conversion, being saved, is instant. Happens. You give your life to Christ, you're saved. When you repent, not just repeat a prayer, but when you truly repent, when you see yourself is needing a Savior, and you repent and say, God, I need you. Boom. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Boom. You're saved. You are saved. But discipleship takes a lifetime. El discipulado lleva todo una vida. It takes a lifetime to become disciple. Listen, discipleship is something you are teaching, and it's something you are learning simultaneously. You are the instructor, and you're the student. See, I know a lot of times people talk about discipleship, and a lot of different scholars will tell you different things about discipleship, and you've got to read the Word, you've got to do this, you've got to do it. It's much more than that. If God is about relationships, so don't you think being a disciple has got to be about relationships? So what is discipleship? What does it even mean? I know some of you guys are saying, what does it even mean? I know i got to be a disciple, but what does that even mean? There's different things people in Christianity tell you what you got to do, but we don't know what it is. That's one thing that we have erred in in preaching. We tell everybody what they need to be. We tell everybody what they need to do, but we don't tell them what it is they need to be, and we don't tell them how to do what you need to be doing. You need to be righteous. You need to be saved. You need to be sanctified. Thank you for pointing out my problem. Unsaved people do that. How many people got friends that are good at pointing out your problems? You know what I'm saying? Parents, I'm going to help you out with being parenting. You can tell your kids about their problems, but you need to teach them how to solve them. Listen, this is what you're doing wrong. Let me show you how to do it right. Because if, if I'm to disciple you, I'm supposed to show you, teach you, instruct you on the way of Christian living. Most Christians look at the Bible and they see Jesus. Now, I, what I'm about to say, and if you're online, you guys can chop this up how you want to, but you just need to sit down and listen to the whole message to understand what I'm about to say. Because as we read the Bible, most of us look at Jesus as the example on how to disciple because he had disciples. And we look at Jesus on how to disciple, but there's one thing that we forget, that Jesus is the embodiment of God himself. He was a perfect person. Amen. Amen. Ain't nobody in here perfect. Now, don't get me wrong. The problem with looking at Jesus and how he discipled is we will always fall short because Jesus was God. He is the spirit of God. He is the father. He is everything embodied. The fullness of the Godhead is inside of Jesus. So it was easy for him to disciple people. He was reading people's mail. He knew what people were talking about before they said it. We ain't got that convenience. <laughs> so you guys are like, wait a minute now, you're talking about Jesus. Jesus. Listen, Jesus gave us the blueprint. He gave us the outline 
on how to disciple other people. He also gave us the outline on how to be disciples. But listen very carefully. He gave us the outline. That doesn't mean that you do it exactly the way he did it because we're not able to. Why? Watch this. When they said, Lord, teach us how to pray, what did he say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You guys know the whole prayer, right? Watch this. That's not what you're supposed to pray. That's the outline of prayer. So he gave us an outline of prayer, and then as you go through the Bible, you see how the disciples prayed. You guys, you guys catching it? See, he gave them the outline for them to take the outline and begin to plug into the outline. Jesus gave us the outline on how to be a disciple and how to disciple, and we're supposed to plug this in. But see, this is the whole key thing. Do you realize when Jesus was being, when he was discipling the disciples, there's something wrong if we try to do what he's doing, because at this time, do you realize that the Spirit of God hadn't been given yet? And the church hadn't been birthed yet. And because the church hadn't been birthed yet, how do you even know how to deal with all these unchurched people? We, don't, we didn't get that. Hold on, Jesus. You, you, you got men that, that were actually from your religion. They were all Jews. I'm dealing with Gentiles. Pagans. Because remember, Jesus didn't deal with them. Remember, he looked at the one lady that said she wanted something. He called her a dog. He said, no, this bread isn't for you. It's for the lost sheep of Israel. So how am I supposed to deal with pagans? God says, I've given you the formula. But as we look further in the Bible, we start to see other like men and women that discipled and were discipled like people just like us. So maybe if we're going to learn about discipling people, we need to look in the Bible and see how Paul discipled Timothy. And see how Paul discipled Titus. And see how these guys did with these other people. Let's see what the early church did. So that we, and we have to rely, because you got to understand, we have to rely, us uh, specifically, have to rely on the Spirit of God and have to rely on the church to be able to disciple somebody. Because we're not perfect. Jesus was perfect. Now, I know we were made in the image and the likeness of God. We were made in the image and likeness. Of God. That doesn't mean we are God. Come on, because some of us in here got a God complex. We're made in the image and likeness of God. My shadow is not me. It moves with me. It does different things, but it's not me. It's an image. It's a likeness of me. A picture of me is still an image. It's a likeness. I can't have relationship with a picture. There has to be life in that picture. So we are made in the image and likeness, and we are nothing until we have life in us. In the way, the truth, and the life is Jesus Christ. So as I'm going on, as I'm saying, we are in the image and likeness of Christ. I'll give you a perfect example. A Chrysler 300 is a car, but it's made in the image and the likeness of a Bentley. While they are both cars, one is significantly lesser than the other. Made and formed in the image, but it's not. You pop open the hood of a Bentley and pop open the hood of a Chrysler 300, you're going to see a major difference. There's a major difference on the inside. That should be a message right there. 
It may look the same on the outside, but the parts they're made with are quality parts on the Bentley side. There's a lot of flaws with the Chrysler. They got major transmission problems. That's why they don't go. Catch that? You catch it? Something wrong with your transmission, you can't go. And pick nobody up. So there are two major factors in discipleship is the Holy Spirit and the church. The apostles had Jesus himself to follow in the flesh. We don't have that privilege. Now, as a side note, the only physical Jesus that we have to follow is the church. That's why it's called the body of Christ. That's why we can't have no long range of Christians. I hate to hear people talking about, well, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't need to be. No, man. You, you, are, you, have, you have a relationship with the thought of Jesus. You can't love on Jesus and not love on his body. I like the way you look, but I don't like the way your body looks. That's offensive. I'll be offended. You got to keep faith, but. The other thing is, oh, see, I'm getting this. I like you, but I don't like your wife. problem. We got problems. Because I'm telling you right now, you can say you like Jesus, but if you don't like his church, you don't like Jesus. Because this is his bride. This is his body. If you hate the church, you hate Jesus himself. You hate my wife, guess what? You hate me too. You better keep it to yourself. And act like you like her. The only physical Jesus we have is the church. Saints of God, that's why I tell everybody, people, I don't come to church. Look, you don't come to church for the people. You come for God. No, that's not the truth. Yeah, I come, to, I come for God, but I come for the God that's in all of y'all, in you and through all of you. That's why I come to church, to experience the corporate presence of God. That's why we can't bypass that stuff. I love people are nasty in church. Well, you didn't come to church for them. Yes, I did. Because if I wanted to be acting nasty too, I'd go to Walmart. <laughs> Listen, saints, as Christians, if you can't follow a man who you can see, you will not follow a God you can't see. It's a word. It's a word. You got to submit yourself. It's a part of discipleship. It's so funny. I got I to add this in because it's all about fasting. But let me, let me tell you, this, this is a good foundational scripture. Matthew chapter 9, and it's in verse 15. I'm not going to read the whole, well, yeah, I'll read it. It says, and Jesus said to them, first of all, I'm going to give you background. I'm, I'm sorry. People are like, Jesus. How come uh, the disciples, your disciplined followers, your students, how come they don't fast like the rest of us? How come they don't fast? Because us as religious people, we fast three times a week. We give tithes in all things. We wear really nice clothes to the synagogue. But you guys don't fast. Why don't they fast? Tell me. And this is what Jesus said. And Jesus answered to them and said, 
Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. They didn't have to fast because they had Jesus right there in the flesh to talk to them, to direct them, to give them guidance because they were right there. They didn't have to quiet their flesh down because he was right there. Now, guess what? Jesus isn't here with us physically, but he left something physical for us to be here with, and that's his body. And why do we fast? So we can still be led by him, guided by him, and get instructions by him. The bridegroom isn't with us anymore physically. But he left, and he gave us his spirit to be in us, and he gave us the church to be with us. That's why he said, I go away, and I send my spirit to be with you and in you. When he said, I send my spirit to be with you, he wasn't just talking about this invisible entity to be around you. He's talking about the spirit of God that's with you inside his church, to be with you, to in fellowship with one another. Oh, that was deep. Because the Spirit of God, yes, he's, he's omnipresent, but I need to, to feel, I need to experience his omnipresence. And when I experience his omnipresence, I experience through the fellowship of the saints. That's why God said, listen, Lord Jesus, uh, Jesus said, I pray, God, that they would be one like you and I are one. That they will know that they are mine, that they are belong to you by, by the way that they love one another. Mm. So since we have... Jesus in the flesh, we have him in the spirit to guide us. He is the Holy Spirit. He's in us. He's with us through the body of Christ, and we have him corporately in the, in, as a body called the church. And it's in the church where we will find, listen very carefully, the threefold work of discipleship. Threefold work of discipleship. What is that? The threefold work of a discipleship is this. A teacher a student, and a friend. The threefold work that you'll find in the church in the Spirit of God is you will be a teacher. You need to be teaching somebody about the way of life that you know. And while you're teaching somebody, guess what? You need to be a student. You need to be learning. Right? And guess what? You need a friend. You know why? To keep you accountable. Accountability happens before you do it. I used to just, just deal with people. They're like, hey, man, look, I want to be accountable to you, but uh, I stole the cookie from the cookie jar. That ain't accountability. That's confession. There's a difference. Accountability is I'm struggling. I need help. And I'm about to take this cookie out the cookie jar, but I need you to pray for me. And here's the cool thing about it. When you're around people, when you're discipling people, when you're in discipleship, you constantly have people around you to keep you from even looking at the cookie jar. What you looking at? This is true discipleship. Saints of God, discipleship is simply the giving of your life to others for Christ's sake. Jesus said, look, whoever should come after me, they'll deny themselves, pick up their cross daily, and follow me. If any man seeks to save his life, he will lose it. But if he loses it for my sake, the same shall be saved. 
See, I want to lose my life for the sake of Christ's body that I may find my life. That's discipleship, the constant denying of yourselves. In these next few weeks, we're going to be teaching on discipleship because we need to get back to what God says. We are going to teach so that we can get back to the basics of the word. We are going to fulfill Matthew 28 and 19 and go and make disciples. But for the rest of this time, while we're on this side of heaven, we're going to make sure that we are intentional about relationships and making disciples. As I close, go ahead and tinkle those keys, Keenan. As I close, here's the honor of being a disciple. So many people, and I, I don't know, maybe some of you guys know this because we got a bunch of Bible scholars in here, but the Bible was written by Jews. So they wrote it according to their customs. And because us as Americans, we don't understand a lot of the Jewish traditions. So I'm going to explain something to you. Have you ever wondered why somebody would leave their job, leave their career, just leave everything they have when somebody walked up to them and go, follow me? You ever think about that? Somebody just walk up and go, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Follow me. And they drop everything. Some of you guys are sitting there going, well, of course they would. It was Jesus. The Bible tells us they didn't know who he was as far as him being the Christ, but they recognized him as the rabbi. They knew he was a teacher. Let me explain to you this Hebrew tradition so that we can get some clear understanding. So from the time a child was old enough to learn anything, the parents would raise them in such a way that they would teach them everything that they knew so that one day a rabbi would come by and see their child and choose them and say, look, I pick you. I want you to be a follower of me. That was the ultimate goal of every parent, that their child, their son, would be chosen by a rabbi to go and learn and be instructed in the ways of the Lord. And once they went with the rabbi, the rabbi, look, they would leave everything. They'd leave their occupation. They'd leave their inheritance. They'd leave everything to follow the rabbi and learn from the rabbi. They would go live with the rabbi. The rabbi would teach them everything about scripture and about the prophetic words that were given by, by all the old prophets. And they taught them in the way of life of how to give sacrifices properly and how you treat people. They did all these different things. That was the aspiration. So let me, let me kind of get it across for some of your parents. It's like, I'm going to raise my son to be an athlete. And as he's an athlete, I'm going I'm to take him, I'm going to let him do all this stuff while he's young. When he comes of age, one day, I hope some protein picks him. Drafted. But here's the thing. Most of the time, kids that came from poor homes, you know, broken homes, they weren't affluent homes, they never got picked. But they still taught their kids, look, there's just might be one guy. They might see something in you, son, that you're going to get picked. That they'll come on this side of town and come pick from this poor pickings. So, they always aspired to do that. But the problem is, when they didn't get picked, these parents had placed this hope in these children that when they grew old, they, they always had a, a, a want, like, man, I didn't get picked. 
They didn't want me. What am I going to do now? And a lot of them end up being like Levi. You guys know who Levi is? Tax collector? You guys know the tax collectors were the most hated by their own people? I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to connect this. He became an enemy to his own people because he was collecting taxes for the enemy and he was stealing off the top. So let's look at our kids. We get kids, we raise them up to be athletes. All they ever aspire to do is to be in the pros and they don't get picked. And because they never did anything else in their lives, they have nothing to fall back on. So what do they do? They rob, they steal, and they become an enemy to their own people. Because they never fulfilled what was inside of them. They have one view, one goal, and it never happens. But then all of a sudden, one day, this man was taking money. He knows he's hated by everybody. People are giving money. He's sitting there, and all of a sudden, this rabbi walks up, looks at him, who's broken, rejected, unwanted, despised, full of shame, and he looks at him and says, I choose you. Follow me. You mean the dream that I've given up, the very thing that I thought I'd never be, even in my brokenness, even being a, a, a shame to my own people, you still want me? That's why he dropped everything. That's why he went into Peter. Simon Peter, his brothers, he went to John. And God says, look, follow me. You got a man that left his fishing business. A man that left the tax tables to follow Jesus because it was a fulfillment I'm no longer wanted. Nobody wants me. I'm just here in life. I'm just holding on. But the rabbi wants me. This is what Jesus is saying to you. You may not have been chosen somewhere in your life, but God, rabbi, Jesus in the flesh is looking at you and go, I want you. You know, this is why in John 15 and 16 it says this. You have not chosen me. I chose you. And I ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth much fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, it will be given to you. Listen, he said, I chose you. I chose you in your brokenness. I chose you as you rejected. I chose you in your filth and your nastiness. I chose you. And what you didn't know is I already ordained you. That you would bear much fruit. You know what that fruit is? That you're making other disciples. It isn't fruit for your pocket. It's fruit for the kingdom. And your fruit shall remain. God is calling us to be disciples, saints. No longer converts. We got to start being disciplined. If we're going to take this city over for Jesus Christ, if we're going to win the lost and get them trained, it's going to take a lot of things from us, and it's not just saying a prayer and letting them go about their way. Over the next few weeks, we will be teaching and preaching about discipleship. But we're going to teach about being intentional. We're carrying last year into this year, and we're adding to it. 
We are going to be intentional. It's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be comfortable. And it's going to take a major sacrifice from everybody. This building this church bigger is going to mean more work. I've been telling you that from the beginning. More work for everybody. Because there are people out there that are broken, lost, and rejected. And they need to hear the message of Christ from you. They need to see God moving in your life. They need to see your fruit. So we can go and fulfill the command and commission of God. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.